Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Well, we want to talk today about singles in God's family. You know, this series has been about uh, the, the church and the, and the families within it, the, the, the husbands and the wives and, and the different roles and, and what, a, what a proper marriage looks like, what a proper uh, what improper looks like, what brokenness looks like. Well, today we, we want to talk about singles uh, in God's family. And I'm talking about those that have never been married, uh, have not been married yet, or have been married and, and are no longer married uh, due to divorce or, or death. But um, it's, it's very important that we talk about this. And here's one reason. The U.S. Census Bureau uh, shows that married couple households ha- have slipped from nearly 80% in 1950s to just 48% today. And once we get the new uh, census uh, numbers, which will begin uh, coming out later this year and on into next, uh, it may show an even uh, larger decrease in the number of married couples. The Wall Street Journal reports that the nuclear family of two parents and their children is no longer the most common living arrangement. In its place at the number one spot, are what we call single adult households. They may have children in the household or or not. And according to census figures, the largest chunk of American households now consist of people who live alone. So I had a certain amount of dread when I was preparing for this sermon. And I'll tell you why. It's not because the Bible doesn't have anything to say on this topic. It absolutely does. And we'll, of course, be talking about that today. But I wondered if there was any single person who would want to listen to a married guy speak on singleness. I also wondered if married people would want to hear about singleness, unless, of course, they were planning to join their ranks. But perhaps it's this same tension that exists in general between married couples and single people. Married folks don't know how to relate to singles. And some singles feel like they're on the wrong side of the wall and they're kind of a third wheel. They can't connect with couples. So one of my goals today is to help tear down some of these walls so that we can serve God together as a family and as he intends, whether we're married or single. So did you know that there was a uh, an entire chapter of the Bible that that talks about married and single people and their relationships and their relationships to God. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, but I've also got it here on screen. And we're going to read through not the entire chapter, but we're going to read through um, the better part of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. 
For I wish that all men were even as myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. If, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And we skip down to verse number 25 there in that same chapter. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is this is good because of the present distress. That is, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. This passage is very deep. There's a lot of things that deserve careful study. There's a whole section in there, verses 10 through 24, roughly, that, that um, I did not uh, read. We're going to focus on, on the things that, that pertain more to singleness. But in these verses, marriage is validated. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Paul is saying that somehow marriage is not uh, a good thing. Singleness, though, is also held up as advantageous. Recognition is made that not everyone is equipped for marriage and not everyone is called to singleness. And the reality of human passions is discussed openly here. Balancing these two, two truths about marriage and singleness and, and he's speaking directly to the cultural confusion that existed at the time, and dare I say now, and answering some specific questions. Paul is doing two things. Number one, he's talking about single, uh, uh, self-controlled singleness. Self-control in singleness, but he's also talking about monogamous marriage, one partner. So I see some truths in this passage. I want you to look at verse 1. Those of you who have your Bible there, verse 1, verse 8, and verse 26. In the second half of verse 1, Paul states his thesis. He says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. The word good there means acceptable, beautiful, and honorable. These are words of life to those of you who may have felt some shame in your singleness. Look at verse 8. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to remain even as I am. You see, the Jewish culture, not God's word, the Jewish culture taught that it was wrong for someone to be single. 
even teaching that it would be sin for a man to reach the age of 20 and not be married. The, the, the idea of the matchmaker, if any of you have seen the musical um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, you know that, that there, was a, there was a matchmaker in town. It was her job to get people connected. Whether they were uh, appropriately connected or not, that wasn't the point. They were trying to get people married because that was the only way to please God. And, and the Apostle Paul here says that's just not the case. The apostle was no doubt single when he wrote these things. He's saying it's good for you to be single just as I am. And he repeats that emphasis down in verse number 26. He says, I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Now, he's dealing with several different things in this chapter. The, the chapter begins with, um, as, you, as the questions that you had or the, the things that you wrote to me about. There was apparently a letter that, that was carried to him that, that had some questions about singleness and married, uh, whether, whether Christians should remain uh, married to a, a spouse who was not a Christian, etc. And he's trying to, to clarify uh, all of these things. Down in verse number 40, here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he gives his input to those who are widowed. He says, but she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the spirit of God. Singleness is not a curse. It's honorable and totally acceptable to the Almighty. You're not incomplete just because you're not married. You have a place here in this church family and in the family of God. So secondly, I want you to, to see your singleness as a gift. Look at verse 7, also in verse 24. Singleness is a good thing because it's a gift from God himself. Look at verse 7. He says, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one, listen, has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. This is mirroring 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This word gift is the same word that's used extensively in chapters 12 and 14 here in 1 Corinthians where Paul answers a, a, a different question about spiritual gifts. This word denotes a gift of grace, a gift from God. Actually, Paul is teaching that marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift. It all comes down to recognizing and receiving your situation as a calling from a gracious and generous God. So drop down to the end of verse 24. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. God is the giver of gifts. He is the, the setter of situations. So what this means is that if you're single right now, you have the gift of singleness. That doesn't mean that you'll always have this gift your whole life. But right now, God has presented you with this present in the present. God may change your assignment. He may change you from no children to having one, two, three, five children. What? We don't know. You may be childless. We can go on and on with the gifts that people find themselves um, enjoying, the situations that people find themselves in. I think we need to be very careful that we're not always looking over the fence and saying the grass is greener. Oh, if I'm, I'm single, if I were married. If I'm married, oh, if I were single. 
If I'm childless, oh, if I just had ch children, I would be happy. Oh, if I didn't have so many children, perhaps, then I could serve the Lord better. Be careful. Be careful. Because wherever you are, whether you are in one state or another, you may, whether you're in one country or another, whether you're in, uh, in good health or not in good health, whatever circumstance you find yourself, we are called to serve the Lord. We are called to be, uh, to, as one author said, there's grace for being gifted either way. See your singleness as a way to bring God glory. And that's really what verses 25 through 35 are all about. You know, I sometimes feel bad for singles when dopes like us ask this very insensitive question about why aren't you married? And, you know, I like the perspective of, of one woman who reframed the question this way. What is God doing in and through my singleness? This same woman says that instead of thinking herself as a single woman, she refers to herself as a woman who happens to be single. And, you know, this actually parallels with a more a uh, uh, common theme of people first, where instead of you you're talking about um, a, a kid with Down syndrome or a kid with autism or a, a person with a disability, you we, we, we talk about the people first instead of saying, well, that, that Down's kid or that autistic kid. But the people first. That's a woman who happens to be single. That's a man who happens to be married. And I'm not trying to get caught up in um, in politically correct semantics. I, I want to go to the way that we think about one another and how we elevate one another, no matter what our circumstances are. Older, younger, sick, well, married, single. So since singleness is a gift, I want you to keep a couple of things about spiritual gifts in mind from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, and I don't have it up on, on the screen, but I want you to keep a couple of things in mind um, from, uh, from verse, look at verse number 11. Paul says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, as God wills. If you're single, God has determined at this point in your life for you to be so. And since God is good, his gifts to you are good, even if you'd rather have a different one. Even if you'd rather things be different. Look, there's, there's none of us that wish that, that, uh, that, that don't wish that things were different about this COVID-19 crisis. This is affecting people literally around the world. It's inconvenient for some. It is devastating for others, health-wise, financially, etc. But when we can turn the circumstance and say, how can I serve God through this? How can I serve God through this current circumstance? Then it changes our perspective. So God gives gifts according to his will. That's the thing that I want us to gather from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 11. The second thing is that God gives gifts in order to grow his church. Look at verse 7. Couple of verses up. Look at verse 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Manifestation. 
the made obvious. The, the made obvious gift of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of each other, of all. Ultimately, whether you're single or married, it's not about you anyway. Each of us is here for God's purposes and for the good of others. So one, one person put it this way, to this the, the, the answer to the question of why are you still single? By answering that question and saying, it's for your good. Why are you the way that you are? If we're in alignment with God's will, if we're not somehow uh, sinning, if we're not somehow uh, carrying a bad attitude that God doesn't want us to have, each of us are unique. Each of us are different. Each of us are gifted differently. And when we think, why is he that way? Why does she act that way? Why is she this or that? We need to think that's for our good and for the purpose of serving God. Look at how singleness can bring glory to God. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 35. The overriding principle in these 10 verses is found in verse number 29, I believe. I believe that's the linchpin of, of this part of the passage. He says, the time is short. The word means to be contracted or drawn into a narrow space. Look, I don't care whether we live a hundred years. We're still contracted into a narrow space of time. We need to give all to Christ today because we may die tomorrow. He may return tonight. We, we, we have to live life with expectancy and urgency. There was a uh, missionary by the name of Jim Elliott. He, he became a martyr. Uh, he was down in uh, South America. One of the things that he said was, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Since the time is short, singles have some distinct advantages when it comes to serving the Savior. I want us to look at three advantages that singles have. The first is, Singles have fewer pressures. You may say, hey, well, you're not walking in my shoes. Well, look, look at verse 26 here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 26. Paul says, I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. This word can refer to uh, persecution, calamity, or trial This when it, when it talks about present distress. It wasn't easy being a Christian in that culture. And Paul says that if you're single, you should have fewer pressures. Number two, singles have fewer problems. Again, okay, married guy, I don't know what you're talking about, but again, let's look at the word of God. This is not universally true, but in general, according to verse 28, what Paul's saying here in chapter 7, verse number 28 says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. What he's saying is, I'm trying to spare you. The word trouble there means to be pressed together. If you're single, don't think that if you get married, you're going to have fewer troubles. It, it, that isn't the answer to the problem. Neither if you're married should you seek to be single. Paul talks about that very thing, to remain as you are. 
at, you, we can serve God in either condition. Number three, singles have fewer preoccupations. There's always things that can take our eye off the Lord. It could be work. It could be health. It could be other family. Uh, there's a lot of things that can uh, take our eyes off, off the Lord, off the ball, if you will. But the single person can more easily develop full devotion to Christ. And we see this in verse 32. He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Paul makes the point that a married person also needs to be devoted to his or her spouse, but the single person can be singularly set on Jesus. And, and look in verse number 35. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you or to control you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So this verse says a couple of things to me. Number one is it's very important that we serve without distractions. What are distractions? Well, I think some of us have discovered some of those distractions. But through this time that we've had to be quarantined or, or um, safer at home or whatever you, you want to term it, we've found that we don't have to have our calendars quite so full. We found that there are several things that we can do without. Someone said that they, they've, they learned through this uh, coronavirus thing that they have really three hobbies. Going out to eat um, is, is one of them, shopping and touching our face. Uh, somehow we that's just something that we all do and, and we're kind of addicted to, I suppose. We've learned that we can do without some of those things. Well, Paul is trying to do the same thing here and, and saying, whatever it is that's distracting you needs to be removed. And if you're single, that's one distraction that is um, and kind of takes care of itself. doesn't mean that all married people are automatically not going to be as good of a servant of the Lord. It's not what he's saying at all. He's saying recognize where you are. Recognize the gift that you have. And believe me, I, I, I feel that my wife is a gift. She's a gift to me. She's a gift to our family. She's a gift to the world. I wouldn't trade her for the world. But I do have to take care of her. I do have a responsibility. I do have things that cause me to uh, focus uh, on my family and not on the Lord. That's all that, that Paul is bringing forward here. So let me make two closing statements here to those of you that are single. Number one, start living right now. Celebrate your singleness, whether it's temporary or permanent, and live a life of devotion, undivided devotion to the Lord. Don't wait to start living. One a person put it this way. They said, I need to stop asking, why am I alone? And start asking, why am I here? Unfortunately, a lot of emphasis is put on how to help singles cope with their situation or how to attract a spouse. You see singles ministries in all kinds of, of uh, religious organizations. The Bible teaches that each of us, no matter whether we're married or not, needs to live each day to the fullness. And our task is not just to survive, it's to thrive. We're not just to put in our time, but we're to make the most of our time. Because look at what Paul says in verse 31 here in chapter 7. He says, for the form of this world is passing away. Number two, and finally, use your singleness as a way to serve. You may be tempted to think that you can just do what you want until you settle down. You can sow those wild oats and 
And then once you're married, then then um, he or she will bring you into a line and you'll have to put all those other fun things that you used to do away when you get married. I say don't use your singleness as an excuse to sin. Instead, use your gifts and abilities and time to bring glory to God and to serve others because, as Paul said, the time is short. In the verse, the couple of verses immediately preceding 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul reminds each of us that our responsibility is to honor him. Listen to these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting about verse 19. And I'm reading, I believe, from the NIV here. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Difficult subject that I had here today for a married guy who had been married almost 33 years to talk about singleness. I'm harking back to a long time ago. But not really, because I have the word of God here that the Apostle Paul is putting forth some truths for all of us to understand. And I hope as a result of this that singles, you will recognize your, your gift of grace, of singleness, and serve God in that. I hope marrieds that you will look at the singles and say, they are single for my benefit and for the benefit of the congregation, the benefit of the kingdom, the benefit of service to the Lord and that we will work with one another and build one another up in this great family of God. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.